0: So I've noticed a few things that are different in my new assignments, actually many things because every assignment is new and unique. Except for your room. Except for my room, which, uh, update on my room, I'm still living in the guest room. (laughs) How Uh, many months now? uh, I don't know, three, five thousand. Uh, This pair should be uh, timed in dog years because there's so much that goes on. All of it, very delightful, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) As a matter of fact... (laughs) the other priest and I are finally going to have my welcome dinner. Like we've had dinner before, but we're actually going to go out and have my welcome dinner like 3 months into the assignment, uh, which will be delightful. That's awesome. But That's um awesome. yeah, my my bed frame will be here in 2 weeks. And so uh-huh. once I've got that, then I can get a mattress and I'll have a desk and then I'll be able to move in. I got a bunch of other stuff in that room, but you know, with just covid and stuff, it's taking forever. But other than that, Now that I'm closer to uh, the city, I guess, just demographics are different in the sense Mm -hmm. that people around here apparently listen to podcasts more than people up north in northern Pennsylvania. And so I have. Like a bunch of people have been saying, Hey, I know you from the podcast. And I always feel like um that meme, uh, Simpsons meme, uh Ralph Wiggum, like, ha, huh, I'm in danger. <laughs> like I don't know what you think about my podcast. <laughs> so I don't you listened. Yeah. You didn't say you liked it. Yeah, you didn't they say listened. you, it, yeah, you didn't, say didn't like it.
1: So where yeah, where do you stand?
0: Exactly. Well, uh, there's one nice lady came up to me and said how much she liked the podcast, but she said and she listens to it with her family when they go to school or commute or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but she did say that uh, she always turns off the parts where I talk about video games because she doesn't <laughs> want her kids to hear uh, about video games. And so but she's turning out this part right now. Because maybe you're if talking about her in Video, video games. games are awesome. You should let your kids play video games. Um, <laughs> 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 I mean, all things in, in moderation. And, and there's maybe yeah, we'll yeah. yeah but uh i thought that was funny um i am the voice for the voiceless i am uh the gamer priest uh, the, yeah, the most vo- oppressed the, the voice in the wilderness in all the world are definitely the gamers gamers rise up um and such and things. if you don't have you except you don't have
1: the um you don't have the youngish Uh, baby face that you once had from those photos you've recently revealed
0: oh yeah so i
1: (laughs) it was (laughs) funny because you know normal hair and 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 and, you know
0: (laughs) there's some photos maybe maybe we'll post them on the uh, clerically speaking website um i was having a meeting with um this group they put on this uh big fall retreat so basically a bunch of uh youth groups in the diocese have been doing this fall retreat since i've been in high school and it's mostly a different group now but there's still some people who who help out with it from back when i was doing it and so there's some images of me uh playing bass guitar uh with you know much less hair no beard very skinny um a few Mm -hmm. other ones where like they were definitely like dance themed nights so like you have to have every retreat you have to have a dance apparently and one of the night's themes I'm not sure what it was but we dressed as like as like country bumpkins basically so there's a picture of me uh like that so uh yeah people are very surprised they do not expect oh fun fact I'm gonna put my uncle on blast right now I don't think I don't know if he listens to the podcast and I said I wouldn't tell anybody this but I'm going to now because content is king so Nick Sciarrappa producer Nick had his pregger kicker Mm -hmm. a celebration just for the boys of his uh upcoming baby and i get there and i see my uncle and he's like you know cooking stuff on the grill and uh, i'm like really surprised. i haven't seen him in a while but like he didn't give me a hug right away and he's definitely a Mm. hugger i was a little confused but uh, oh oh he is working on the grill so he needs to finish that thing and then he finishes up more
1: important things than hugging
0: right and i totally respect that and like we're kind of chatting and stuff and then he um... Looks at me and extends his hand and says, You know, hey, I'm so and so.
1: This is where I was going. <laughs>
0: and I was, I just stared at him like, Is this a joke? I didn't say anything because I was so confused. <laughs> like, this is actually a great troll or a joke. But no, in that moment, he did not realize who I was. <laughs> when was the last time he saw you? Uh, probably a few years ago. Uh, definitely well, uh, pre ponytail, uh, Father yeah. Anthony. Yeah. And he was super embarrassed the
1: rest of the night, and it was hilarious. (laughs) You like give him a little glance every night, like, "Hey," and he just like twists his head down and shakes. Yeah, he was,
0: he was, he was just devastated the rest of the evening, which was very funny for me and the rest of the guys.
1: Awesome, but do you know who I am? I'm Father Anthony. This is clerically speaking, and I'm Father Harrison. And uh, man, I'm trying to think of what to talk about, to be honest. But it's just been the last. A couple weeks have been a bit of a blur, in some ways. Um, just lots going on at the parish. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm heading on the rest of my. I'm taking the rest of my holidays in a couple of weeks, which I've learned already. Like I'm like, wow, man, why don't priests like take like three or four weeks off in the fall or in the winter? You know when things are busy. That's like the best time. To, and you know, it's not the best time to take holidays at all. Um, <laughs> I only time you take it if you want to take like, you know a week here, a week there, that's fine. But it's like going away for three and a half weeks is is crazy in the fall. I'm learning. Sure. But, absolutely. Uh, because everything's going on and, and we're working on some possibilities for a winter shelter again this year, but we might be running it. So we're just trying to figure that out and mm-hmm. how that all works and all that jazz. And then, um, just finishing up my Vatican two book for OSV that's due today as we record. So, you know, yeah, that's coming together. It's, uh, it's coming together. So we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, see, we'll, we'll see how, how much the editors take issue with, but, um, and then just uh, just before we recorded, I just had a nice little uh, visit with a bunch of the uh, Pauline sisters at a, at a Microsoft Teams meeting to, to talk to the sisters who... Well, I guess the sisters have bookstores obviously all over the US. And yeah. so they were um, to help my books. Well, for those who've pre-ordered the book, and if you haven't pre-ordered it, what are you doing? Why haven't you pre-ordered it? Yeah, show on you. Know, give those hardworking sisters your money. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the book's been a bit delayed just due to supply chain issues the books printed is just about getting it here from korea yeah
0: it's everything <laughs> everything from furniture to books to food supply and chains everything. are getting
1: stretched and the reason, just... i've actually discovered why it's like or one of the reasons why at least is it's because work because of immigration stuff around covid like countries have a lot of countries have very strict rules so like some people are quitting because they've been stuck on a boat the entire year they oh, wow. haven't been able to get off it because of covid and so they're just t- i get that they're stretched but it's just it's it's stretched in the ability for con- shipping containers so the book now has been i was told the other day end of november so we're really so pray to saint joseph san giuseppe um to uh intercede on our behalf that this book arrives by then just before december hits because it oh, comes yeah. in december gets a little late sure. um but yeah, so but it, we had a little chat about they want they wanted to hear about the book and, and with how they can promote it in their book centers and stuff like that. So that was really uh, that was really nice. You know, every time you get to talk to the sisters is always it's always a joy. Oh, it's always a joy. So that was nice. So um, other than that, yeah, just getting the book done. I kind of took a week off from studying because, and it's just like everything's happening up here. oh oh oh, yeah and and i started up a young adults group here so that's been Ooh. that's been a lot of fun i've been really excited about that we had you know just a few people the first and we had 10 people last tuesday so you know a good little start which is yeah, absolutely you can't complain um i've got about 15 names on my email list now already so not bad for only two sessions so far yeah. and uh so i'm happy with that because we have a university here and we finally found out we're fi- like the university here has always been a little weird and we've tried forever to get on campus but they won't let us have our own catholic club they say Mm. oh you can just join the christian club we're like we're different we're very different um they don't have mass we do um (laughs) so but i just found out the other day that looks like we're gonna be able to get it this year now which is good because like i may not do a ton of stuff on campus but at least i can like put posters up yeah, And and maybe say mass once a month in a classroom or something like that for the students on campus and everything. So, um, so yeah, so that's finally kind of getting going, which is nice. So I can start because I'm actually technically assigned. I've been appointed as chaplain to the university, mm-hmm. but we don't have a There's no chaplaincy office. And it's been impossible for me to do any activities on the campus. The idea is like spiritually, there's no ties with the university whatsoever, but the right. hope to try to implement some form of university chaplaincy there which i really enjoy i really i love doing young adults group that's where that's like my niche oh, right it? there yeah. yeah i love young young adult ministries where i'm where i thrive at i think mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. so that has been fun to get that going and being a pastor and realizing yes my parish is like two and a half times larger than the last one <laughs> it is it is it is a big place do you know what i've learned lately about being a pastor. I don't know if you've learned this being an associate or not yet, but not. that it's, it's okay to just say no mm. and to not give an explanation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: Because if you try to explain everything, you will never have any time to do anything ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so sometimes I'm learning. I'm like, you know, so not all the time, but it's like, this is the reason. I'm not telling you the whole thing because I, not because you don't even need to know it. It's just, I don't have the time. <laughs> no, I, go away. Sometimes you have to be firm about it. Sometimes you, you, sometimes you explain obviously, but it's just, and it's like, I think that's akin to being a parent, right? Like parents just have to say no. <laughs> this is true. Well, I want to stay up late. No, why not? Because I said so. <laughs> I want to talk. To, I want to talk about this at Mass, Father. No, why? Because I said so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't quite say it like that. Sure, you know, sure, sure. Um, you, um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's been actually kind of freeing. Yeah, it would be to learn this. To learn this, you know. Yeah, it's been and learning how to adapt it. Because you don't want to go crazy with it either. Because then you sure a jerk, then
0: nothing ever happens, and
1: and you're just a jerk. Yes, and no one likes you, and no one will listen to you. Yeah, so, yeah. Speaking of jerks no one likes and no one listens
0: to, let's go to the Suma Tuitalogica. Suma Tuitalogica. Suma logica Summa Theologica was St. Thomas Aquinas' summary of theology. The Summa Tweetologica is our summary of things we found interesting on Twitter. And the first tweet that I am picking that uh, Father Harrison uh, so beautifully, wonderfully cultivated all of the tweets this week. I, I, I worked hard at this last You did. Week. You did real good. Um, which, I mean, it's basically always your job because I never do it. But <laughs> anyway, this is from Joseph Nola S.J., And he says when someone says I like Jesus, just not his followers, we need to reflect how we as Christians contribute to this lack of credibility. The Holy Spirit can speak through a critic after all. Now maybe this is because I'm just tired and slightly cranky today, but I'm tired of this stuff. Guess what? Christians stink. All of us. We're all a bunch of losers and sinners. We always have been. So. So, so there. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, come on, come on. Look, look, look at, look at the scriptures. Right. You'll find a bunch of Christians who are terrible at things, at right. praying, at doing stuff. Yep. We're all a bunch of losers, and Jesus loves us. So, deal with it.
1: That's my hot take, Father Harrison. Uh, okay. Um. So then, I will counter that a little bit. What about the Old Testament when, like, God literally sends like Babylon to invade and destroy Israel Uh because of their being crappy people of the covenant? Good. That's good too. We're all sinners, and we deserve to be punished. But but that's that's being criticized for those outside of Israel. I mean, the church is the new Israel. Sure. And like Jesus does this through John in the Book of Revelation with the seven churches
0: yeah no i mean the criticism is fine i guess wait no i
1: see what you're doing <laughs> i mean you're if you are to go against scripture <laughs> you're, you're welcome to you're totally welcome to you know i just i wouldn't advise it okay no i i, I what i like about it i think but there's a truth I, th- listen there's there's two sides to this always mm-hmm. right again there's this kind of notion of oh yes i like jesus i don't like the institution of the church or i don't like everything that means i have to come to follow him and all this stuff and that's a little you haven't taken jesus seriously like and that's the thing i think where we can get frustrating it's like people almost use it as an excuse to not actually listen seriously to jesus and and forget that yes actually the whole point of the church is that because we're sinners looking to be saints so there is that um but at the same time, there is a truth there, right? Because of some of those biblical images I kind of just um, shared with you, is it's also about how, like, because we are sinners, we do need to be called to holiness, and sometimes a word from someone outside the church can do this. Now, often isn't the like, sometimes it is, and sometimes it, I've experienced a lot of times they'll say, well, you know, you're a priest or you're you're you know, you're a Catholic or whatever, you shouldn't be saying that, you shouldn't be doing that, you know, Jesus wouldn't do that. I'm like. Um, Maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but um, I don't. Know. You're not even a Christian. How do you know how Jesus would judge things, mm. right? So there's, it's a bit of a give and take, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. There's, there's a, there's a truth there. It can be used as a weapon, just to, as an excuse to not actually take Jesus seriously. But there's a, there's a truth there. Fine. Yes, you are grumpy.
0: <laughs> I am grumpy. I'm tired today. Ugh.
1: <laughs> we just had a day of rest yesterday did i was that yesterday Today's, wasn't isn't wednesday your day off yeah it was i need so, another like, one i need another did, one <laughs> did you have a 7 a.m. mass this morning
0: uh did i no i did wake up early to do the school mass but, but how, anyway. would,
1: how early is early
0: well i mean i woke up at 5 30 this morning
1: okay okay too mean, early it's not for me. five like me but i mean no, no it's, it's not it's still early it's still early I mean, yeah, yeah okay fine <laughs> what's your tweet <laughs> what time one. did you go to bed
0: at like 1 o'clock. Why? Because I was hanging out with my friends and holding their baby and it was fun. I didn't want to leave.
1: Okay. So, this is your fault. Yes.
0: <laughs> it doesn't make me less cranky.
1: I know, I know, I know. Just gives you less excuses, I guess. I don't know. All right. This one's from uh, Mary Bonino uh, at Paz the Mary. LOL, could you imagine if Mary's first response to Gabriel was, hmm, let me pray about that first. <laughs> I swear. That deserves applause. Okay. Uh, she goes on, just as a little thing. Yeah. So this is the whole point of it: food for thought about discernment, quote unquote, and the unhealthy ways it can go when we try to disguise our fears as prayer about making some decision. Moral of the story is we should all strive to be like Mary and be already so full of prayer that we can recognize God's hand at work. And I just love this tweet so much for so many reasons. Partially because I just love the hilarity of it, because mm-hmm. it's true. Imagine if Jesus says, um, "Imagine if Jesus said like." Or yeah, Badger's Mary. I got to pray about that first, see if I need to say yes. Yes, as the angel approaches her. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like, "Mm, are you really God's will? I don't know, man. Like, uh, uh." This is the thing. We have an over-discernment culture where we discern too much. Often, our decisions are not to be prayed over per se, but they ought to be like coming out of that fruit of prayer where we know God's will. Where we just choose what is necessary and concrete according to our state of life in the moment. So, for example... If someone phoned me up and said, hey, Father, can you come over there? Like, I got to pray about that. I'll get back to you tomorrow. Like, really? Really? It's, you guys say yes or no? Because maybe you can, maybe you can't. Yeah. Um, That doesn't need prayer. Or even if it's like, you know, it's like you should always like there is a sense of discernment, but it's discernment about like fulfilling God's will. But often your whatever God wants you to do is what's good for your for what the state of life you're in. Yeah. You know, it's like a seminary, like, hmm, I'm gonna pray about doing my homework. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like, no, no, you know, no No, it
1: doesn't work, you know? It's like, oh I'm, I'm gonna pray about feeding my kids. Right. Right? You're doing God's will by doing what is necessary according to your state in of life often. So you don't need to pray. And even if yes, like with big decisions, you can pray, but it's like but it's actually if we're praying, it just means we need to grow into the peace of heart that we ought to have when these things come our way. It's about choosing God's will in the moment. Um, it's really not complicated. We overcomplicate it too much. And yes, we can use it as fear. Or sometimes I think it's just like an overpiety of a sense of like, I need to show my devotion to God by showing him I'm willing to listen about every little decision. If that makes sense. And so I got to give him that time and space for every little decision. But it's like, but that doesn't, you know, God is already at work through a lot of the decisions you're making.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a, (laughs) this is going to sound weird, like an over-spiritualization of God. The idea that God is not incarnate and does not work uh, in the world that he created. And it's kind of like separating uh, your Jesus time from the rest of your life. And it makes this kind of um, double life in a sense. Where, you know, I go to pray and I live in the world. And I go to pray and live in the world. Um, And uh, yeah, I think, yeah, ideally, if you are praying every day, if you are striving to live out the faith, you're going to the sacraments and all that. A lot of these decisions are very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, and there are definitely bigger ones. And also it's okay to be like, to go to prayer because you are afraid. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes the God's will is obvious to you, but it freaks you out. Mm-hmm. Uh, then yeah, go to go to prayer. I think it's very, you know, it's so funny. Sometimes people come to me for uh, pastoral counseling or a spiritual direction or whatever, and um, they present to me this situation there and I have to make a choice. <laughs> And as soon as they say it, it's very obvious to me what they have to do, and it's secretly obvious to them. But mm-hmm. they just have to come to facts, come to terms of fact that I'm just afraid to do this thing that I know yep. I need to do, and that's okay. So that's the Lord okay. is like, you know, um, sometimes yeah. we do need to pray about it, but not
1: yeah. in order to make the decision, but to have the strength to make the decision. Exactly, um, exactly. It's like, but yes, yeah, so I think it comes up sometimes. Like, oh, I want you, to, I want you to join this program or this group or whatever. It's like I'm going to pray about it. It's like, really? Like, like there's prudential judgment there. Yeah, but in that and that the Holy Spirit's even working your prudential judgment. Like, mm-hmm. if you're like let's say you're a student and they want you to join some, they want you to do this weekly program thing at the university, but you're taking six classes and you've got like a part-time job and whatever maybe it actually as nice as a good as a good of idea as it might be it actually might not be a good thing right now because you have other things that you need to do to get through university or something like that you know like i don't know just thinking it loud but it's just yeah sure or like i think it's also sometimes to be like no thank you i don't want to do that thing yeah (laughs) man we have a hard time with that one don't we
0: yeah it's just like, I, I yes, time this is a good thing, thing to do. Sometimes. I'm like, I just I, don't want
1: to. I just don't want to right now.
0: Yeah, and that's that's sometimes okay too, because um, there's a thousand million bajillion good things that we could do all the time, uh, yep. but we can't do them all. But also, yeah. what's interesting is I'll, I, I, I've noticed a lot in people that they come to a life of deeper prayer because they've been faced with a big decision. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when people feel called to religious life or priesthood, maybe they're you know Catholic and praying, but this kind of pull on their gut makes them realize that they have to enter into Christ more Um, and sometimes that can be difficult because you have to at one hand like kind of learn how to pray again and grow closer to Christ but at the same time there is this choice that's weighing over your head and sometimes that can make things difficult Yeah, because then you make your entire prayer about your discernment when really what you need to do is grow closer to Jesus and
1: then discernment becomes easier. Exactly, and that's what that was, That's the point of Mary's second yeah. point, right? It's just you're so full, of Perry, Perry. you just say yes. Yeah. So there
0: good, go. cool. Uh, time for presbyteral exhortations. And now it is time for presbyteral. Exhortations. Oh yes. yes, quite good, quite good, mm-hmm. I bet they can't wait to learn. Oh, learn to oh, it's my favorite part oh, 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 that's the part. Yes. Yes. yes, quite, quite. yes. Quite. <laughs> hey, yours was just as dumb as mine, so I'm not mad about it. Uh, hey, so I did this.
1: I did this for you so that you didn't look as dumb. Oh, that's beautiful. I, I you know, I emptied myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Speaking of. Emptying yourself, I guess.
1: Let's talk about death. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> Remember your death.
1: Or however yes. Nick does it. I can't yeah. do that. I'll um. settle. Remember your death.
0: Yeah. But specifically, I was thinking, like, you know what I've been doing a lot of lately? You know what I've been doing a lot of just in general as a priest last hmm, three years especially? Funerals. Hmm. Lots and lots and lots and lots of funerals, like yeah. two to three a week usually. Um, usually at least two. Sometimes wow, but yeah. Um, Dang. At least I mean, there's almost never a week where there's not one. Wow. And I was like, you know what? Let's talk about funerals. And that's
1: just, and that's just you doing it.
0: Yeah. Oh, like there's, the other a, priests... there's
1: other ones with the other priests doing them too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So there's been a lot recently
0: here, um, but even at my old place, you know, uh, a week wouldn't go by without everybody getting at least one funeral. Right. Um, Yeah, I got, yeah. And then also it's right now, it's tough, uh, especially tough because people who have put off funerals because of COVID are now doing them. So a lot of like cremations and now they want to do the mass and everything, which is, you know, fine. Uh, Just it makes for a lot of funerals. So I was like, okay, let's talk about funerals from the priest's perspective um, and other advice and things. I'll start off with a story. Okay. So the other day I had a funeral and really tragic. Uh, The guy was just far too young. But something was amazing about that funeral. First of all, there were a lot of people there. More people than I've seen in that funeral in a long time. And as I'm going down the aisle, I realize everyone's singing the opening hymn. Hmm. Like everyone has hymnals open, everyone's singing. Hmm. This never happens. No. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is interesting. And so I chanted, which I never do, I chanted uh, the Collect, and they all did the Amen. And I was like, uh, oh, uh, w- what? And I chanted the preface and they all did that and then we all chanted mm. the Our Father. Mm. And it was one of the first, I mean, man, I can't remember a funeral where everyone was praying, where mm. everyone was um, singing along, where nearly everyone went to communion and they looked like they knew what they were doing. Like, right. I don't think I gave any first communions which sometimes happens, I'm gonna talk about that. Right. Yes, and uh, it, like it was, it was it was a tragic thing, but also a beautiful thing. Our uh, mm-hmm. permanent deacon knew the family very well, and he did a, just a beautiful job with the homily. Just like the right amount of personal stuff, story of the deceased, but tied into Christ. Gave a great call for evangelization and just accepting the gospel. It's a really good job. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, you know, I was just super thankful because it was you know just a tough situation. He did a great job, and that's something that I didn't have to do. You mm-hmm. know, and I could just pray mass the best way I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just so striking how, and I remember t- afterwards, after, you know, uh, giving my final condolences to the family and everything, going to our music ministry, and they were just flabbergasted, too, mm-hmm. that just everyone was singing, everyone was praying. Uh, it made me because r- sometimes funerals can feel like, it almost feels like as you're doing them and as you're preaching, not all of them, but sometimes you feel like, what are we doing here? Hmm. Actually, it's I think a very common feeling for priests sometimes. Yeah, because a lot of times you get, and for a million different reasons—not even being judgmental—but the people who haven't been to a mass in a long time, maybe aren't even Catholic, that they don't seem to be paying attention to anything. Now, of course, there's there's layers of this, right? Because mm-hmm. they're grieving, and it's tough, and like, so I'm not saying that, but there's it's just that because they are just barely going through the motions, the liturgy feels so empty. This thing that is meant to be um, praying for the soul, for, you know, praying for ourselves as well, um, renewing our faith in the resurrection, uh, grieving even during the liturgy, like it's it's, instead of like all of that good stuff that happens, it ends up just feeling
1: like... Numbing.
0: Numbing. Or almost like a (laughs) sham you know
1: yeah and it's nope. so sad I know what you mean, what you mean.
0: Yeah. and you know praise God it's still a mass and the graces yeah. still happen and we're 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 given that soul um the equivalent of spiritual red bull to get them through purgatory and into heaven hopefully you know mm-hmm. so I mean it's still good stuff happens for it from it and who knows what the Holy Spirit is doing in their hearts but man that was striking um and that's what can make funerals difficult sometimes for a priest mm-hmm. um so maybe we'll just go through the whole
1: process when we get a call that someone has died. So and can, we I, go can I, before we do that, please, can yeah, just kind of comment on that. But yeah, I, I've been reflecting on that a lot lately too, because I also had a, um, a lot of stuff that was delayed because of COVID for sure. And, but like sometimes very small, a lot of people often no faith at all type of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so those things happen. And then, um, it was weird because like i was realizing how little i was doing burials (laughs) so you're just doing the mass not doing the burial well yeah i was kind of struck by that because my last parish just almost always happened um but here it's not and i'm like what's going on and i just like and reflect on it a bit and part of it's actually there's not a lot of cemetery space in the city here and and so there's that for sure i know sometimes people just want to hold on to them for whatever reason and we can talk about that later too mm-hmm. i was like uh, but yeah i was it's it's very easy to feel like this kind of numbing experience uh with funerals because and I've, I've actually had to pray with that a lot not because i do like i think it's important it's vital to do i think the hardest part of it is not even the saying the mass; it's the preaching mm-hmm. because you know often try not to be judgmental but you know you're the seed is falling on rocky ground Hmm. or at least you feel it is you know but I think at the same time too this is where I've been praying through it is Jesus is essentially like saying accept the numbness because that's a bit uh, of insight into their hearts but it's also an insight into mine Hmm. of what I experience on their behalf for them and to offer that up for them which is helpful. It doesn't make you feel any better in the moment. But it's yeah. it's helpful for sure to kinda of keep you in perspective because otherwise you're gonna become bitter. You're gonna become resentful. Oh I gotta do another funeral or whatever, right? Mm. And you just tend to 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 look at them as a burden rather than a gift. And they are a gift. They really are. Like I like actually this week and next week I each both of them they're not a master liturgy of the word. So like what I always do though. Because the only thing that really differentiates a Mass being said for someone and a funeral Mass is just a lot of the extra rituals, right? But the effect is the same of praying a Mass for someone or having a funeral. Like In terms of the soul who's died, the effect is the same, right? So I always make, like, so these ones, like, I always make sure to offer up a Mass privately for them because mm-hmm. um, I think it's vital to have a Mass but, like, next week's it was interesting dad wanted a funeral but didn't want a priest to visit him when he died and and um you know it is what it is you can't force it but it was the dot one of the daughters explained to me essentially like oh it's it's you know i think it's kind of like you get baptized in a church you get married in a church you die in a church type of thing mm-hmm. uh which is fine that's kind of part of what it is the church is there for but none of the family members are practicing catholics and so i was like okay that's fine we can do a liturgy of the word but then i'm saying a mass for him as soon as I can because I think that's just as important right but yeah no that experience is definitely there and it's hard and especially I don't know about you like I don't know how you guys prepare for like, and we can talk about that I guess in a second but I, I find the other difficult thing and maybe actually maybe yeah I'm gonna shop, I'm gonna stop it there because we, we will talk about like meeting with the families and stuff
0: yeah actually I can yeah. get to that uh, yeah. next so we usually get a call from the uh, funeral home sometimes the family themselves it's always easier to work through a funeral home
1: uh, oh, please please do your funeral home <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I know, I know. It, I mean, it can be tough. It can be expensive, but if you're able to, definitely do that. Just because, man, you're going through so much anyway. Like, you don't need to be. You're already worrying about family that's visiting. All this stuff. It's just get yourself some help to do this. And you know, there's a lot of good funeral homes out there. So we get a call, make sure it fits in the schedule, figure out what priest is doing it. There you go. And then um, I think most priests uh, will go to the visitation and usually the purpose is twofold uh one to uh talk with the family um and it, it uh, this is tough because it depends if you really got to like i feel each situation sometimes a family does not want to talk to you really oh absolutely hmm. um and it might be because they're already dealing with so much they don't know you as a priest um it's so that sometimes happens, and like, can you know, I read that situation and just, you know, okay, fine, you know, whatever you need in the moment. Sometimes it's a moment for them to tell stories to you, to uh, help them grieve and that sort of thing. Um, I, I know that some priests will try to get information about the person's, you know, life that they can weave into the homily. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do not do that. I mean, I'll listen to the stories and everything, but I'll explain that later. Um, and then there's also prayers that can be said uh, at, at the funeral, usually the vigil for the deceased or something. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick. I, I kind of am annoyed by a lot of the ritual surrounding funeral stuff.
1: Well, I don't... Get, do you get a lot of vigil requests? This is just... Uh, this parish okay. is what we do. Oh, so, okay. you, you yeah. go... I, I, mean, I have done maybe one or two vigils in my entire priesthood.
0: And by vigils, it's it's expected that the priest is gonna show up and there's gonna be prayers said.
1: Yeah. And if it's a like, expectation. Yeah, often because things get so booked up and I'm just one guy. Right. Um, yeah. When people did want a vigil, I just get someone from my funeral team to do prayers because sure. I couldn't be there. I and yeah, do that the rosary was... or to do something. Yeah. Um yeah, I I feel like I would be I think that would make an inch I've always wondered. Um I'm not a liturgist in the sense and I wouldn't have the time or patience to look into all the details to look at not the mass itself, but like the rituals surrounding a funeral and how they've transitioned from the 1962 missile to how they've, to what they are now. Because I feel like a lot of stuff's just been added without reason.
0: Yeah. So I guess <laughs> let's, let's talk about it. Because, wait, I've got my, I don't know. I've got, I've got my uh, funeral book right here because that's what it feels like. It feels like overburdensome. Some of yes. the prayers and things that you do. Yeah. Um, and it also seems to be just very talky. Yes. Like the, the let's see, we got prayers after death. And there's also so many prayers. Prayers after death, prayers gathering around the body. But let's transfer the body to the church, replace of committal. So many prayers. Uh, where are you? Uh, Vigil for the deceased with reception. And some of these things, like they also repeat themselves. If you're
1: to do all of them, you would just repeat so many prayers. Yeah. Um, but like yeah like the vigils I don't know about yours but like ours we got like 20 different versions of a vigil you can do or something like that mm-hmm. and it's like come on man just simplify yeah. it please <laughs>
0: yeah uh, and let me see if I can yeah the invitation to prayer Let's yeah. just... my brothers and sisters we believe that all the ties of friendship and affection which knit us as one throughout oh, our lives do not unravel with death confident that God always remembers the good we have done and forgives our sins let us pray asking God to gather so and so to himself Like this is one thing and so, another priest on Twitter mentioned this that a lot of times the ritual tries to tell you what to feel
1: and I find that very annoying <laughs> I, I do too and I also find like the wording right like I don't know if you guys have it in yours but it's like at the end of the funeral my dear friend may every mark of affection or gesture of friendship that you give to one another be a sign of God's peace to you um, I can't stand that. I have to say it. I can't stand it. Uh, yeah. I'll be honest. I just feel like it's, it's, I, f- I wonder, I honestly wonder if, if some of the stuff is like akin to the Psalm prayers in the bravery in English mm-hmm. that they actually aren't part of the Latin ritual, but they've been inserted there because in the some, books, yeah. you know, some liturgists in the seventies thought let's add a bunch of extra words because we know what people love when they come to a Catholic mass and they don't go to church. They love more ritual. And they love more words that we've just created out of the blue with no connection to tradition.
0: Right. And it also, it, it feels like it was written by people who've never been at a parish and never done funerals before. Right. Like and there's like no a, mention of Christ in them. Right. It's very horizontal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I, uh, this is the, I'm usually a good boy. <laughs> I'm usually a good boy. I follow the rubrics. And the I follow the rubrics too,
1: but I, it doesn't mean I can't be annoyed by them sometimes.
0: <laughs> uh, so, I, I, I'm going to just confess, a lot of times I don't for these prayers. Like I'll skip some, skip some. I'll cut some out. Um, another thing that bothers me. This is very trite, but do we have to have intercessions for every single ritual ever?
1: This, yeah, I know what you mean. I know. Yeah.
0: Like it. it so we, and I, It's important to pray, but like in the middle of the you know vigil for the reception, or whatever, we have the prayers of the faithful. And it just feels like, is this, do we need to do this right now? We're going to do okay. it at mass, which makes more sense to me. Yeah. Okay. So there's all of that. I just, that's just a personal gripe on, on my part. I don't know if other priests feel the same way, but just sometimes some of the prayers are just, they're kind of, kind of kitschy and kind of wordy, trying to tell yeah. people what to feel. I'm not a huge fan of that.
1: We need one of our liturgist listeners to start looking into this stuff for us. I yes. listen, the vigil the, the vigil thing is 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 tied. Like it that absolutely has a place in the church's tradition. Absolutely. Um it's just I find a lot of them are not ordered well. Um so no, the place like that idea of gathering in the place of the body and like yeah. I mean listen, if I really had my way, we not only would have a vigil, but that's where the that's where the eulogy would be. Mm-hmm. Um that's a good place for it um, the, the mass should just be the mass uh, so let's get to the mass let's, let's okay. get to the mass well, well okay so, we, so okay. people call up so like so it's interesting how you guys do it and it's, I think it is here I don't I find, I've find i been finding it's been in, well it's been interesting on two fronts my last parish the funeral home people leaned on them a lot which mm-hmm. I loved because the, la- the last funeral home I worked with was amazing like mm. best funeral home I've ever worked with none of them are Catholic but boy did they understand everything we do and they did it so well and respectfully, and I loved working with them. They were so mm-hmm. organized. It was amazing. I loved every minute of working with them. Here, I rarely hear from the funeral home. Almost never. Especially when it's cremated remains. They just take care of it themselves.
0: Oh, so you don't get to do anything with your personers?
1: Well, no, I just they no. So what happens with us often is I don't I, I never even in my last pair So I never met people at the funeral home. Mm-hmm. I, I always met with them maybe once or twice I had to meet them there but most of the time they would come to the parish because in both parishes right now we have a bereavement kind of committee thing so they they sit down with the family to work through the readings for the mass walk them through what's going to happen explain everything to them and then I just I meet with them at the end to talk to them about their deceased loved one to get to know them if I don't know them right Um, there's the odd time where because of a situation I take it all under my own roof Um, Mm -hmm. but it's helpful again because um, it's um, it also yeah involves the people of the parish a bit more in these things because sometimes maybe I can't be there for a meeting I have, I'm in Victoria for meetings or something like that but I can call the family later to hear more about their loved one and so someone's there to take care of these things in case I can't be there we're just so short on priests you need to lean on that I think there is something though too to the priest doing all that honestly it really gets you get a because if you start off with the sense of the person then you could say because most of the time this is the other thing like i think part of it sometimes it comes from this good place oh we want people to be as involved in this process as possible most people don't care they just choose choose it for me right yeah please yeah please are going going through so much can you please just do this for us yeah so if you hear something about them say you know hearing about your loved one i think these readings would be really good Mm -hmm. what do you think and those 99% say yes or sometimes they'll want their own reading or something another reading or something like that right um so we so yeah so i meet with them at the parish almost always um and that's and it's getting used to that here too Is just because it's been COVID and everything is not knowing how it normally works we're just kind of getting into the sense of that and then you know you get the weird requests like can you play this bob dylan song at the end of mass on your cd player so i got rid of the cd player (laughs) (laughs) that way i'm not a jerk when i say no (laughs) yeah yeah you know because you're not allowed to do that you're not you're not allowed to play recorded music at, at liturgies even if it's Bob Dylan. Even, especially if it's Bob, no. and <laughs> well, I mean, Bob Dylan. And that's the thing too. That's yeah. the thing that kind
0: of plagues the, the situation is that people are genuinely doing their best to mourn, to grieve. They're trying to do nice things. But when you lack that Catholic context in your life, you end up doing things that on paper sound good, maybe to you. But in practice, mm-hmm. they, they're they they're kind of grating um, in right. and, and difficult like. And-
1: yeah. and that's the other thing i do i don't know about you but when i'm actually trying to learn about the deceased loved one if i don't know them which is often the case because especially just yeah. older prisoners they've been at care home like it, you have to be in a parish for like 10 years to really know some of the deceased that are coming through your doors i find yeah. almost but um not always but a lot um and in that case i find it I, and i've been getting better about asking certain questions but it's really hard to get people to describe their deceased loved one yeah because I like to do it, not I'm not going to put a lot of it in there, especially if there's especially if there's a eulogy. Yeah, but it gives me a sense to know, like, because I've had a few situations where there are, there's actually like the deceased loved one and the family things weren't maybe as great as they'd like to admit, and sure, so hearing yeah. that is good because how I preach is going to be helpful. Like, mm-hmm. I gotta be careful about what I say when I preach about that a bit more, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So you have all these different and weird situations that you kind of have to deal with in it all. And 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 it's like, I, I want to get to know about the person a bit because I do think it's important to add a bit of a personal element into it, who they were, and how that reflects the gospel, whether they intended it or not, so that you can then lead into the saving message of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always make, yeah, so, and I always make a point at every, I say, there's one line I use at every funeral, without fail. Grief is important. To, it, it, grief is actually a good thing because it's a sign that we have loved uh, we have loved and have been loved yeah right and that's really yeah. important so but yeah i find mean you know but it's like it's hard and it's like and, and you ask them well, what's, what's their religious life like oh you know they go into church every sunday okay yeah and people <laughs> just don't have the
0: the tools to even speak about their faith life right. very often you know um and so yeah um, yeah sorry But also, just on a personal level, uh, this is one of the things as a uh, young priest, it's, I think for most guys, this is just learning how to feel awkward and be okay with that as a priest. Like, you walk into the funeral home, you don't know what's going to be there. You don't know what the family dynamic's going to be, you're not going to know anything. And you may have in your mind, these are the things that we should do, but you really have to like roll with the punches, get used to being awkward, uh, feeling awkward, um and even stuff like the thing I struggle with for a long time is what do I say to the deceased family? You know, um uh, sorry for your loss, my condolences. And that feels, you know, for a time that felt very like kind of like, isn't this cliche? Isn't this trend? It tripe? is, is it...
1: but what else are you supposed to say?
0: Exactly. And that's what I've come to realize that like certain cultural cliches, it's helpful for us to have lines to say. Exactly. This is what norms do for us. Like yeah. in a time when we don't know what to say or what to do, we have our lines to say. And it's not fake. It's a way for us to communicate and express ourselves mm-hmm. uh, when no expression works. Yeah. So just and,
1: by following those norms, you're, you're doing a good thing. And you learn when it's your time to leave. Exactly.
0: <laughs> right, you like, get, you get OK, the I got all the
1: information I need. So you don't say it like that. You say, OK, any, do you have any other questions for me or anything mm-hmm. like that? And they'll say no. Say, OK, so you know, if you have any questions, contact the office. Here's my email, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then you just leave yeah and you just yeah. learn to be okay with that <laughs> exactly
0: uh because sometimes they'll want not keep you there for a long time sometimes they feel like they have to entertain you i
1: know you have, yeah, to, yeah. You have to
0: pay attention to that too
1: yeah and um, you have to like let them know actually you don't need to don't worry you guys right. can go do your thing you go spend right. your time like, together
0: i'm actually here for you you don't have to entertain me or give me any attention and that, that takes like some time and practice to pick up on those things yeah um and also i think you're gonna you're gonna make mistakes you're gonna say I you mean, the to wrong be honest, thing Early on, I would try to use like humor to to lighten the mood and stuff. I've stopped doing that, just because yeah, sometimes it worked, sometimes it really didn't, and mm-hmm. it's just not worth it, you know. So you just kind of learn what you're good at. And I know some priests are excellent; they're just mm-hmm. one of their real gifts is just comforting the family, being there, talking with them. Like they have a real heart for that and a real talent for that. Um, but not every priest is going to. Right. But every priest, no matter what your personality or disposition is, you can still be a father to those people mm-hmm. in that time. Yeah, it just might look a little different for you
1: right yeah
0: so it's a thing that you can get good at
1: mm-hmm. yeah. so but yeah and then also just like there's a lot of standing around <laughs> like right well it's like yeah like i've learned now like for example mm-hmm. at the end when when you do when you do do a burial yeah you know the the um you know maybe if you're with the funeral home they'll say okay that concludes the funeral service if they're not if it's not just me there i'll just say well that concludes our funeral service i'll go to the immediate family and i'll offer my condolences again mm-hmm. i'll say if you need anything just give me a call at the parish you know, yeah. I'm here if you need to just chat or whatever, and they never take you up on it. But it's a nice thing to offer yeah. because you just want to say, and it also then gives a natural break because you want, in the end, like this isn't your place to. You're not there to agree with them. You're there to offer the rights of the church, mm-hmm. and you've done your job, and you've yeah. done what the church asks of you, and you've done what they really need from you um it's i think if there's that pastoral heart of that this thing like oh i need to stay around as long as possible and that's what you have to kind of you kind of work that out in your early days and you just realize mm-hmm. no it's okay again it's the awkwardness of being okay with it yeah because there actually actually here's the thing because there is no good time to leave right so you have to just choose one mm-hmm. and go with it yeah and and it's the same thing when you're meeting with them it's the same thing at a reception or whatever i go downstairs for like 10 15 minutes i say hi to a few people and i leave Right, because and also, yeah. they're doing their thing. I'm not, a, mm-hmm. and I'm not really a part of that in that sense. Right, I can be if they like. I'm happy to be, but it's just, I find often they want to be polite, but really you're actually a burden. <laughs> right, exactly.
0: But also, there's the times where you literally do have to wait around. Like yeah. if you're doing a, a service at a funeral home and they have to gather the family, or you're waiting for something. So there are times you're just kind of just standing around. Yep. Just. Uh, but uh, and also I don't think I've mentioned this. But man, a good funeral director is worth his weight or her and, weight in gold. And gold, amazing. It's one of those things that like it's, it is analogous to a vocation, um, the ones that are really good at it. Um, there is a spiritual dimension there that they can help out with uh, emotional intelligence and just so... And we, and we need
1: good Catholics to get into this stuff.
0: Right. Now, I'm lucky in Pittsburgh, we have tons of good Catholic, at least in my experience. Right. Um, so, that's very helpful. Uh, so anyway, okay, so uh, that's good. Uh, And then uh, funeral funeral mass.
1: Yeah,
0: Mm -hmm. you've got all the rites and all this stuff. Uh, Let's talk about
1: um, who who is a funeral mass for? The funeral mass (laughs) is for the dead person, right? Yes. Secondarily, Uh, it's for the those who remain, right? And I guess that's I think that's my problem with like some of the wordings of a lot of these the stuff in our rituals. It's as if it's for the people who are here. It's it's almost some of the wordings almost feel faithless in the sense
0: that like. Well we have to attend to the person here because that's the real thing right that's that's the which, feeling I get for which undermines
1: case. the reality of the death that we're experiencing
0: right yeah I agree
1: yeah uh, sorry so
0: don't don't yeah. don't tell the pope uh, I don't know <laughs> um but that's just kind of the way I feel about it uh but also okay so speaking of um the homily uh i I've come to this place where I'm just doing a straight up charismatic homily mm-hmm uh, just because there are people who were either uncatechized, unevangelized, or only halfway, and so my main focus is on Jesus Christ. Uh, the and also I am I you know people say not to um, canonize mm-hmm. uh, the person who died, which I agree, but also there is a lot of hope, like a lot of hope um, that's spoken of in the ritual. I know I've criticized the ritual, but I think this is, this is a true part of it is that, you know, you, this person ate the body of Christ. This person was baptized. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of reason to hope here. Mm-hmm. Uh, also we wouldn't be having a mass if there was no reason to hope, you know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's not like you have to be like, who knows where they're going? Like you don't have to do that. That's yeah. also just horrible on many levels. The, there can be a, like, yes, we need to pray for this person, absolutely but we also have really good reason to hope because of the power of the sacraments because of the cross of Jesus Christ because of his mercy Mm -hmm. Um, and so to get across that hope Uh, but then I I I really kind of spend my time doing a charismatic this is the story of Jesus this is what he did for us Um, that and also just it it strikes me that it feels bad that the funeral is kind of tacked on to the lives of a lot of the family members Mm -hmm. like there's not a lot of spiritual practice and then at the at this moment it's tacked on but in a certain sense everything we do should be leading up to funerals Mm -hmm. i mean everything we do in our life should be leading up to our funeral in a certain sense it's everything the catholic church is kind of preparing us for death if we're doing it right
1: and you're always like as saint paul likes to say we bear in our bodies the death of jesus yeah so that the life of jesus may reign in us um so sorry this about the homilies. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a similar structure. Like I always, I often like to use John 14. Um, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Oh, Lead yeah. God. I, you also one. Me. I love that one for a variety of reasons, partially because of the ending, you know, which is also very Pauline. You know, Jesus Christ. Uh, um, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's a great line. But some people, like they like it because of the many rooms, which I always avoid talking about. I never talk mm-hmm. about the many rooms because people just like you see yeah, i mean it's true jesus does go but it, it's a very hope-filled passage right so what i often do is like and i love to say that because i like i love especially when you can tell they're really grieving yeah say how can jesus tell us that our hearts should not be troubled are we the same person oh really <laughs> i talk and about I this s- all yeah. the time You're You're so- <laughs> right it's, Sorry. It, but it's a great place to start yeah I have, yes. a, I have a bit of a format that i but i, I do i say because like, okay, you've told me these virtues of this person, you know, it's hard when you lose this person who's been like this, who's been a providing father or mother, who's been a gentle presence in your life, who has been everything to you. Suddenly that's ripped away from you. How can we not, how can we, but not grieve? And then you bring in the whole, I bring in my little grief line. And then it's from there I say, but Jesus does offer us a promise, right? Um, where I am, there you may be also, right? And so I tie it into the mass where he's here, Christ is here, we're here with him. And we believe that through baptism, the one who's gone before us is is there. So yeah, it becomes this charismatic thing. And then there's the hope thing. So it's a hope, hope does not mean canonizing. This is what, I, I'm very careful about how I word this. Yeah, I never say they're in heaven, mm-hmm. I never do. But we, I say, we pray that the, our hope is fulfilled. Yeah, And that's why we're offering this. Otherwise there's no point in offering a mass because if the hope's mm-hmm. fulfilled, we don't need this. But then, but this is the thing, it's like, and if that hope's fulfilled, then they're not far away, right? I love that line in the preface. Indeed, for your faithful Lord, life is changed, not ended. And when this earthly dwelling turns to dust, an eternal dwelling is built in you, right? So um, Christ is here. And if Christ is here, that's a that's the victorious presence. And he, that he goes before us into the depths of depths, so that when we die, we're no longer alone, right? This is the whole yeah. charismatic element of it all, to say that your loved one who's gone before you that hope, you know, I'm being a little not as careful with my wording about it right now, but that hope's fulfilled. They're not far away. It's yeah. different, but they're not far away. It's the community mm-hmm. of saints. And that that's what we're praying for today. And then that's what gives us, that's why Jesus says to us, our hearts ought not to be troubled.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. The way I, I attack that hearts may not be troubled line is that I, you know, address the seeming dichotomy. Yeah. That it, it's, Jesus is saying this really comforting thing. It's actually a very difficult thing because our hearts are numb or angry or sad. On top of that, we often feel guilt because Christians are weird. And we think, well, if I'm so sad, shouldn't I be happy in the resurrection? If I'm angry, I'll be angry with God. That's when I invite them to take whatever's in their heart and bring it to prayer because that's what prayer is. Um, But also this, even the idea that... um, in the Jewish imagination, as far as my understanding goes, um, they didn't break up the human person kind of like we do as much where the mind right. is where you think, the heart is where you feel, the soul right. is your true self. Like heart was a symbol for all of that. Yep. So it's like taking your true self and placing it in Christ. Yep. Because you're going to feel whatever and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah. And I have, just practically speaking, I have basically three different um, funeral homilies and I'll kind of mix them up, interchange mm-hmm. them depending on like what's going on with the family, what I, what's the crowd like, how mm-hmm. have they been responsive at mass or not and but another thing is to remember and this is tough, this is tough for a regular parish priest because it's very easy to fall into the idea that everything is based on you as the priest you know because like people whether or not your homily was good or bad or whether or not you did a good job or a bad job and it takes some time to... Let yourself die to that thing. Yeah. And to realize your job is very simple it's to preach the gospel, to celebrate Mass in a respectful way, and to be kind to the family. Yeah. And if you've done that, then that's all you can do. Yeah. If you try to be more than that, if you try to be the best (laughs) funeral priest in all the world, if you try to convert everyone, you're going to end up making it all about yourself. And you know, the family can kind of feel that
1: sometimes. Well, thing, I think, and I think that's why it's okay to constantly feel awkward and numb as a priest yeah. in all this. And maybe even a little dejected. Yeah. Because if you allow yourself to feel that, you've chosen to not make it about you. Because mm-hmm. you're saying, I'm willing... Because if you're making it about you, you're going to find ways to get rid of those things. Mm-hmm. To make your... To assuage yourself. Yeah. Um, again, so it becomes a communion with the people you're serving. And it's also... um. Yeah. And like I, It's funny. I actually... I preach really short at funerals, mm. especially mm-hmm. if there's a long eulogy. Let's talk. Can we talk about eulogies for a second. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna do so eventually. Let's do it now. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. I. Um, I'll go first. You want to collect your thoughts? Well, I know what I want to say. I just want to make sure I say them fairly. I, okay. I don't like them. Mm-hmm. I do not like them because, in the especially in the context of a church they so rarely say almost nothing about their faith or sorry. They so rarely say little uh, anything good about their faith or, you know, that was a devoted Catholic. Okay. But, but boy, did he love his hockey and, and he loved his beer and all this stuff. And it's like, that's great. And I know those are good experiences. And those are even experiences through which faith can manifest itself. But the people giving the eulogy miss out on the main thing. I always try to give instructions, but like no matter how much you try and give instructions, I say five to seven minutes max. 10, 15, 20 minutes. And it's always, I always do it at the beginning. I do it at the beginning on purpose because at the end, the funeral is coming to an end. Like that's an emotional climax moment. And people feel guilty that they were crying so much during the eulogy, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's easier. It is always easier at the game. But if I really had my w- way, I would actually honestly put a eulogy either at the reception downstairs or at, um, at the vigil mm-hmm. because they just, I think, the funeral really needs to be just about what we're there for. I don't know. I I, I recognize, you know, some people find it's really important for them, and I get that. Um, I will be honest, I, I get a little giddy when Safama says we're not doing a eulogy. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I know it's different in different dioceses. Some dioceses do not allow eulogies, right? And actually, it's interesting. The ritual kind of discourages eulogies at the Mass. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we kind of... Well, here's the thing. This one makes it complicated. Uh, the eulogy...
0: Is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. It's important for the grieving process. Absolutely. Uh, a good priest friend of mine uh, died uh, a few weeks ago, and one of the very important things for me to do was I sat down with you know friends, family, and we just traded stories about this guy. Like that is an important part of the process. I would even say it's a necessary thing right. to reminisce on the good and the bad and the funny and the ridiculous and celebrate their humanity and grieve for yourself. So like the fact that people want to do that they're right but like you said when do you do it mm-hmm. and 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 so um and and this is not to to demonize or shame any eulogizer right no no, uh, no i'm because, not trying to
1: do that it just my experiences have not been
0: very yeah great and you know probably most people who haven't who've given uh eulogies probably don't listen to this podcast but i'm sure some right. do uh and i i mean i have heard decent ones oh no i've heard great uh, ones too i know yeah it's but not, it's here's not the thing, here's the thing. so practically speaking on a very practical level, most people are not public speakers, yeah. even some priests. Wham, Um, And so, public speaking by itself, under the best conditions, is a difficult thing to do. When you're in the middle of this grieving process, it's especially difficult to do. Um, so, part of me is like, don't torment yourself with this. Like, it's just, it's just very hard. And maybe you don't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's that. But also, yeah, the timing of it, uh, because we do ours uh, after the prayer after communion. And it strikes me how it it almost ruins the mass, in in that sense that you mentioned that we've gone through this whole thing. There has been a kind of closure, and then all of a sudden at the very end we reopen all the wounds before you're about and then to do your a, final commendation. And then there's some incense, and we're off to the races. You know, it, and so it's it it it, find, it kind of breaks apart the the movement of the liturgy. Yeah, it's kind of like you know, hijacks it. Yeah. Um, and like i said this is nothing
1: to say about the people's intention or anything right. that's
0: all i told i get it
1: i understand what, what we're you know, it's doing like, right now i'm not a hundred i know it's not hundred percent liturgically like correct but mm-hmm. like because everyone kind of the family kind of gathers at the back or at the entrance of the church with the body or the urn or whatever um and so it is a bit awkward to everyone sit down there's a eulogy and then everyone gets back to the back to come up and then you know I do get that a little bit and so what we've been doing although I'll be honest, I don't really like it because I, I kind of greet the remains or the body at the back bless it with holy water etc we do the procession up with the opening hymn and we've done the we've already done the sign of the cross at the entrance of the church because the, the whole point of this, by the way, for those who don't know we greet the body there because it's, it's a sign of the journey of that began with baptism which is usually meant to be done at, at the back of a church or in its nave or whatever um, so this notion that what began at, at this place now ends here so that this final journey towards the Lord at the Eucharist uh, can bring about uh, their final salvation so we process up and I get up there, and then before the opening prayer, everyone sits down. We do the eulogy. Yeah, it's not perfect. I, personally, I am kind of trying to move towards the before we start the funeral rites. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, funerals at eleven, eulogies at ten forty-five, is where I would like to move to, because then people have time to finish it. Then there's still five minutes before the it begins. But I gotta, I gotta work on that still. Uh, you got to yeah. again, when you're a pastor, I'm. I, this is what I've come into, and I gotta be careful. Mm-hmm. change things too quickly all the time and it, it you know it's not and it's not ruining the essence of the mass right so
0: and even if it's awkward doing it after the welcoming uh, rites, i i think i still prefer that
1: yeah um, oh no yeah the, the end reason. i would never do unless they insisted but i'll be yeah. i would forewarn them i say this is not a good idea but that's fine yeah
0: so i mean that it, it, this is what we're dealing with yeah. this is one of the challenges of the church uh today is how do you when someone's entire faith life should be leading them to this moment. And not that you're ever gonna be like perfectly prepared. It's not like it's ever going to not hurt because death is it's still a shame. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a part of the original plan. No. Right. There's still always gonna be pain there, right? Yeah. But the Catholic mm-hmm. faith prepares you for this moment in a way that nothing else can. Mm-hmm. And it's tough to like when the right, the rituals assume that this person, everyone yeah. has been living Catholic faith, or not, it's just tricky. It is. It's so very tricky. You do your best. Yeah. Um. And it's always going to yeah. be a little bit awkward, and it might sometimes be discouraging. Yeah. Uh. But you have to take that burden upon yourself as a priest. Yeah. This is just, this is it. This is part of your job. This is how you do it. Yeah. Um. But also, you know, it's important. I've been to a few funerals where the person truly lived a a holy life. Yeah. Not not a perfect life by any means, but, and those funerals of someone who has striven to live the faith can be some of the most edifying beautiful faith moments of your life um i'm thinking of when one of my friends uh dads passed away who had like this beautiful kind of conversion and not a perfect guy and the whole family would laugh and tell you he wasn't but lived in such a way that man the funeral was beautiful yeah um yeah i've been i've had a few
1: funerals like that i remember one when i was a deacon mm -hmm. and mom She's in her fifties, and it was very lived a very strong faith, and yeah. um, really beautiful, beautiful funeral liturgy. Um, or even like um, one of my friends had a stillborn child, hmm. right? So there are funeral rites for some of these stuff. Or um, for and actually the funeral rites are different for children and stuff, right? Or even I'll be honest, like I remember I think I actually mentioned on a podcast a couple years ago when I had that funeral for that teenager that passed away. Right. And I was like super nervous and about it all. It was actually a really powerful experience of, and I was like, that's one of those ones where, yeah, you're going to be at the, you're going to be at the reception for a while and stuff. You, you set aside your calendar time for that kind of stuff. Right. And it it was a really beautiful experience, even though I know a lot of people Like that was one of those ones where there's a lot of people there who aren't Catholic, but it was still a really good experience of a funeral. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So all those things together, it's like, yeah, those, and those are the, it's kind of like weddings in that sense. Right. Um, there's a lot of weddings that are tough too uh but when there's for us as priests those little gifts of those times when you get to do something for someone who really strove to live the christian faith is worth celebrating too right yeah um and it's worth honoring that um it is really and and you kind of see it because the the catholic who's lived a devout life the church is often quite full yeah, actually, you know, I remember my, both my, my grandparents and my mom's side are both Catholics, went to mass every Sunday, and both their funerals were very full. Like, and this was my pagan days, or sorry, yeah. no, my grandma was my pagan days, my grandpa was my seminary days. But, um, but and I remember both times the priest saying, "The fullness of the church is a witness to the the Christian faith they lived." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Yeah," and that gives you hope, and that gives you that does give you hope and comfort. Yeah, because you realize, yeah, these people they strove. And we leave the rest up to Christ. And I, but I believe that he's going to, you know, bring them into the reward.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess I'll just end with this. I mentioned earlier uh, the priest friend of mine who had died. A uh, young guy, I think he was 44 years old, uh, was very influential. Uh, as I, He was a deacon my first, a transitional deacon my first year of uh, seminary and was very much an older brother to me. Uh, when I was at home during the summers, he was the guy I would go to for a confession, to talk, Um and then, you know, very tragically, there's a lot of stuff going on. He ended up leaving ministry, um, even fell away from the faith a little bit, but by the mm-hmm. end of his life had come back. And I remember at the beginning of that mass, I was just sad and angry, you know, sad this happened, angry, like couldn't I have done more to help him? Um, he died of natural causes, but his health was bad because he wasn't taking care of himself. There's a lot of stuff going on. So it just, and just so I was angry, I was sad. Um, And I could not see how this was anything but a tragedy. That's just what I I felt in my bones. Uh, And, you know, praise God, there were a ton of priests there. Uh, The bishop celebrated the Mass, and the guy who did his uh, funeral homily did such an amazing job Hmm. that um, helped me to celebrate and thank the Lord that we had this guy for as long as we did. Right. Uh, it was, it was just transformative. Mm-hmm. Um, it was truly good funeral preaching. Yeah. Like the gospel transformed. And also just the fact that like, I had not felt real personal grief in a long time. Yeah. Um, cause I hadn't experienced a lot of personal deaths in my life. Yeah. And something about going through that was very helpful for me. And it's still influencing the way I celebrate mass too. Mm-hmm. Um, so which is to say that it, as a priest, it's important that when you're not running the show, um, make sure you feel the things um and to do all the things that you wish other people would do as well um and that ultimately how do i want to put this um yeah god is good Mm -hmm. well you think about it this thing that we've all primordially primordial have his primordial fear (laughs) thank you (laughs) have his primordial fear in our you know very bones of death christ truly has conquered Mm -hmm. uh and that one day we won't be ghosts or spirits we will have resurrected bodies Mm -hmm. literally see our god face to face Mm -hmm. and on top of that uh you know hopefully see each other face to face as well um and it's you know, funerals done well, done prayerfully, can be truly transformative moments of the gospel uh, that point to really, like, resurrection yeah. and joy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, amen. And it can take time to get there. Like it it's takes all, time to get you there. Know, I don't think that's there's ever okay. going
1: to be a perfect way to do it. And no. I know sometimes we can... And we do make mistakes in how we do it and how we run mm-hmm. it. And thankfully, Christ is bigger than us.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, if... If you are going through experience of a death or soon to be death of a loved one, like don't feel bad if you don't feel the right things or if you don't know mm-hmm. the right things to say or if you like... It's, it's not your job to do work even though you probably have to because of, you know, mm-hmm. just the things that happen, but like don't blame yourself for anything. That's not helpful. Right. You know. Let let the God who died on the cross is never far from those who suffer. Right. Even if in our cloud of emotions, it's hard to see him. He's definitely there and he definitely cares for you. Yeah. And he definitely has made a promise and prepared a room (laughs) and uh, um, he's, he is who he says he is. And that's a great reason to hope.
1: Yeah. Amen. And, and, uh, I actually did want to throw in one more thing there and it is, but now I forgot it. Um, ah, darn it, darn it, darn it. It was right there. Oh, and when you go to like, there is also something just powerful every time you see like a body or an urn. But I find it especially a body lowered mm-hmm. into the ground mm. is very sobering reality to remind you this is you too. Yeah, and that's not Anything a bad else? thing. It's okay. No. Actually, it's it's yeah. good to come to terms with that reality. I think actually, in mm-hmm. some ways, a lot of people eschew funerals. Sometimes because they don't want to confront that reality. I've encountered that yeah. before, and it's like, no, you need to, you need to accept you're going to die. You cannot avoid yep. this. Sister Teresa would be so proud. Yeah. <laughs> Are we
0: going to end the podcast on you can't avoid death? That's right. Uh, I think we will. Yeah. And why not? so thanks for listening uh please leave a review on itunes and tell your friends about the podcast tell your enemies too because jesus says we must love our enemies you can find me preparing for funeral liturgies you can find me at fr harrison contact the podcast and receive updates at Pod on twitter find us on facebook youtube or email us at clerically speaking at gmail.com uh check out our patreon if you want to support really producer nick and producer riley who are having a baby uh then uh go ahead and you know donate what you can uh, also pray for producer nick and riley they would prefer to have the baby in late october not november so you know maybe right. you can pray for that too yes and uh, peace yes god bless